0: These things in your name. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Well, it is good uh, to be with you and to mark our last worship service in the season of Advent. Um, I'm I'm noticing here that my four year old has found Luke 2 and colored all over it. Um, she, she refers to every book I have as a Bible, and uh, she stacks them up, and she colors marker, and she's got my nice, expensive Sunday morning Bible, and, and done that a few times. So bless her. And uh, with that, you know, it's good to have our kids with us to worship, and uh, it's exciting uh, to be just one church family uh, at 10 o'clock today, and like I said, we're finishing our, our series in, in Advent. As you can see, we got all four candles lit this morning. Um, and the first week, I don't know if it's going to make it the whole service, but it looks it's going strong right now. And so uh, we'll see what happens. But um, really good to be with you. Uh, my name is John, and I serve as one of the pastors here at Mosaic. And uh, just have been really encouraged as we've moved through this season of Advent as a church family, Advent is a season every year where we reflect on our place in God's story, our place in our moment in time. It's the already not yet, so Christ has come, he has done something for us, accomplished a forgiveness of sin on the cross, and yet there is something left unfulfilled, incomplete in our experience because we still struggle with sin and we still live in a fallen, broken world And that will be restored ultimately in the yet, the return of Jesus when he will return and make all things new and set all things right. And we will enjoy him forever in a perfect body and a perfect new earth. And in Advent, we're waiting for Christmas morning, but in the bigger picture, we're learning this discipline of waiting for that return when God will make all things new. And as we've been going through Advent this season, we've taken the the whole story of Scripture as a theme, that the whole story of Scripture is that God is determined to have his people delighting in their whole lives in his presence to reflect his purpose in his place. I think we have a slide uh, with that phrase. And we've tried to take this whole story of Scripture, what God is doing in the whole story, and push it through the season of Advent. The four Ps, people, presence, purpose, and place. What, how does that influence and shape us as we're learning this discipline of waiting for the return of Jesus in a fallen, broken world? And my guess is, I don't know, I think I'm, I'm, I'm hitting the nail on the head here, but my guess is that we could lop off that last phrase, in his place, and no one would really flinch. You know, the other ones, it's kind of like, yeah, that's really important. But why is place there? Why does place matter? And I want to I want to answer that, and then we'll read Luke 2, and then I'll share a couple thoughts for us as we try and grow through this season of Advent. Why does place matter? Well, first, right out the gate, we can say place matters because when you look at the Bible, the the Bible story starts with a place. And ends with a place. It starts with the Garden of Eden. And it was a place where God dwelled. His beauty and creativity was on display. And the Bible ends with a new restored place. A new heavens and a new earth. A new Jerusalem. A new city. A new people. And we see this theme throughout the entire Bible. That God created place. And this makes it significant. But... God created a place because people need a place to inhabit. And that's this thing that is really, really important. Place matters because people matter, right? They're both a part of God's creation, and they're intended to be integrated together. Human beings are intended and designed to flourish and live and inhabit a particular place in time. I've been reflecting on a theology of humanity, um, mostly for developing our class called Passage. It's a class on emotional health and healing. And I've just realized how significant and how important it is to understand what is a person? What is a human being? And I've been thinking a lot, reading a lot about it. And I mean, kind of a fancy technical definition is a human being is an embodied spirit. According to the Bible, if you wanna know what is a human being, a human being is an embodied spirit. There are physical components and spiritual components and they are integrated together. They are integrated, they, cannot be, if they, they can be separated but they, if they're separated, it's not good. And if you think about it, really what we're saying is that a human being is a creature made up of earthly components, your body, your role in the world, your relationships, your place, and heavenly components, your spirit, your mind, your heart. And those come together. And so in the human this is what makes humans so important? This is how we can reflect God's image because we're made up of earthly components, heavenly components, and those are integrated together. And no other creature can claim this. No, angels cannot claim this. The devil cannot claim this. And before the person of Jesus, God couldn't claim this. Animals cannot claim this. This is what makes humanity unique. Is there a woven together the body and the spirit, the earthly and the heavenly together in one creature. And this is what makes death such a tragic distortion of God's creation. Because in death, they're ripped apart, right? But they're both a person and they're intended to be unified. And so place, a particular place is made for people. And people are designed For a place. And we connect with this probably most vividly in our bodies that we are intended to inhabit a place and live for the glory of God. And that is important and significant in the story of Scripture. So that's a little bit of an intro. Uh, So I want to read Luke 2, and we're going to try and pull that theme through the passage and uh, encourage one another through what the Bible has to say about place in a season of Advent. And so let's turn to Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. If you have a Bible, you can turn there. I did prepare some slides with some pictures. So if you like picture books, we got some up here. Um, So yeah, I'll read the, the passage, and then at the end, I'll say, this is the word of the Lord. And we do this every week, and we just confirm. I'll invite you to respond, thanks be to God. And this is a way that we confirm together that God has spoken. He has given us truth. He has not left us Uh, to fend for ourselves were in silence. So this is Luke 2, verses 8 to 20. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we do pause right here and ask for your help. Grab our attention this morning by your spirit, and we do ask that you would fill this space freshly as we seek to hear from your word. Would you open our ears and open our minds to your truth that it would change us and shape the way we live? And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So, if you walk out of here with one thing, one thing I want to communicate to you as you walk out and get ready for Christmas and a new year is this, that your particular place is important to God's plan. Your particular place, your, your home, your space, the, the, the place that you embody, your role, in the world, your relationships, your vocation, all that you do in this place is important to God's plan. And if you think about place, you can think about it like a stage. I don't know if you've ever been to a play or a concert or even like a movie screen. There's a director directing a play. And that's what we're talking about here. When we look at the Bible and we look at the significance of particular places, your house, your job, the city of Richardson, the institutions you're involved in. What we find is it's like a stage where God is directing a story of redemption. And because of that, it matters to the heart of God. It's important to what he's up to in the world. And if we connect it to Advent, what we realize is our place is marred by sin, it's broken. The way we inhabit it is oftentimes broken and twisted. But the invitation is to inhabit it through the power of the gospel in a fresh new way. In a way that is dignifying all that inhabit that same place. That is reflecting the glory of God as you live for his purpose in his place. And we see this throughout the whole Bible. That God is invested in a place in our place, in your place, in my place. We see this in Luke 2 through the story of the shepherds. And what we find is that God is invested in ordinary places. In verse 8, we, we learn of these characters. He says, in, in, And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks. Shepherds in a field. Wasn't a popular field. Nothing flashy about it. There was nothing special about these shepherds. We don't even know their names. They're ordinary people in an ordinary place. And God chooses to reveal his plan to these shepherds. God is invested in ordinary places. And it's it's really, it's wild when you think about, like, that God chooses these shepherds who are just doing their thing, and they get freaked out, right? If an angel just showed up at your workplace, you, you would probably freak out too. God moves towards them and opens their eyes to something he's doing. And in the Gospel of Luke, this is the first public announcement of the birth of Jesus, before it had been just a private matter between Mary and Joseph, but it goes public now and God chooses just regular ordinary shepherds in a field. And it really fits with a theme that we see in the Bible that God chooses to reveal his plan to the unexpected, to ordinary, lowly, humble people, to the Uber drivers and the Amazon Prime delivery people, to just ordinary folks. Why would God choose to reveal his wonderful, magnificent, heavenly plan to just ordinary folks? God, he chose Mary, a poor Jewish girl, to be the mother of the Son of God. God chose Nazareth, which was just, I mean, it was, it was nowhere. But he chose that city to be where Jesus grew up. Jesus chooses the outcasts, fishermen unexpected candidates. They had zero resume to be a part of Jesus' team. Jesus is born in a barn and he's placed in a feeding trough, right? I mean, in the pictures, they make it look so nice and the lighting's great, people got makeup on, right? But it was probably smelly, dark, and cold. And the Son of God takes on flesh, and in the form of a baby, shows up in a barn. Like, that's, that's unique, because God is invested in ordinary places. This is what we learn. One of the things we learn all throughout the Bible is that God, he moves towards the unexpected, the lowly, and the humble, because God is invested in ordinary places, and it's so, it's so easy for us to miss this reality. It's so easy for us to be lured out of our particular place because all of us want to move out of where God has put us. Because of sin, because of social media, because of something our neighbor is doing or uh, something, a friend, a job they got. We're always lured out of our place. Ah, I, that's the life that I wanted to live. Oh, that's, that's the design that I want in my living room or in my kitchen. Oh, and, and this is, there's nothing bad with being influenced and, and wanting to create your space that it is more appealing and uh, more a picture of, of the kingdom. It's orderly and beautiful. That's awesome. But there's something about, like, the way that we get lured out of our place and we live in another place, and our whole lives are preparation to get there. And what God is, is trying to help us understand in this idea of the theme of place is that God, he is invested, he values you living your life for his glory and his purposes in a particular place because he's given it to you and he's designed a human to flourish and thrive in a particular place. Because heaven is connected to that ordinary place. You might be wondering, why why should I care about my ordinary place? Why should I be focused on my particular place? Because heaven is connected to it. The realities of heaven, the ministries of heaven, are connected to what's happening on the earth. We see this in the passage. When the angel brings an amazing message, the angel says, fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not. Hey, I know you're freaked. Anyone would be freaked out when an angel showed up at your workplace. But fear not, for this message I have for you is for your salvation. It's for your good. And then all of a sudden, the heavens crack open and they behold the multitudes of heavenly hosts singing praises, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he's well pleased. Heaven is addressing the earth about Jesus' significance. And heaven moves towards these shepherds in a field, an ordinary place, in an ordinary field, to give them an extraordinary message. An amazing message that Christ the Lord had been born, that salvation had come to God's people. And the shepherds get a glimpse into heaven, and what they find is a heavenly host praising God for bringing peace to the earth. Heaven is praising because the earth is receiving peace, shalom, flourishing, unity, and thriving relationships. And this is the work of the gospel and the truths of the gospel. They're always intended to break into a particular life and place to redeem and restore and to create something beautiful out of a broken existence. The birth and life of Jesus is is teaching us this. As Jesus takes on flesh, he becomes divinity, and humanity in one person. And he shows us the way. And he inhabits ordinary places, and he engages ordinary people. And he reminds us a lot of things. But one of the things he reminds us is that your ordinary place and your ordinary life is important to God's plan. How how easy is it for us to forget this? to forget that our mundane and ordinary lives and relationships, the way we treat our kids or the way that we talk about our neighbor is important to the heart of God. It's so easy for us because we get lured away. Our attention is always driven to what's next, what's flashy, and there's a whole system of advertising that is set against us in this process. But what if? What if we began to see our living room like the Garden of Eden? What if we begin to imagine what would it look like if my living room functioned and flourished like the Garden of Eden where God dwelled with man and woman and delighted in them and they delighted in Him? What would it look like? What would it look like if I saw my home as a place for an expression of the kingdom of God, where there is justice and righteousness, where there is sacrifice and beauty and wonder, that would be powerful, and it would be a powerful witness, and it would be just a way that we can, as God's people, find expression of the gospel in our particular place. You might be thinking, "Is what a, my place isn't that great?" It feels like ordinary is is a, it's a relative term for us because some of you are doing some pretty extraordinary stuff, but it's just normal for you. And what God is trying to help us see is that there is significance and importance in where he has you right now. And the invitation is to recognize that, even though it's broken, even though there are challenges, even though there are trials. And it's interesting, at the end of the passage here, the, uh, the writer says, to close out this story, he says, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. They returned. And we don't want to make too much of this, but I, just, I find it interesting that these shepherds who had just experienced this profound, sensational thing, they returned. They didn't go on a book tour. They didn't become an Instagram influencer. They didn't travel and have some itinerant ministry. We don't hear anything about them. They returned. They didn't leave their jobs. They returned to their ordinary place as ordinary people, but their place had become a place that was touched by heaven. Their place became a place that was made new. It was touched. And this is the invitation as we inhabit our place and we accept the reality that God is invested in our ordinary place and that our place is important. And he, just like actors on a stage, actresses in a movie, God is directing something that has radical significance and that heaven is connected to it. And Advent is trying to grab our attention. It's trying to slow us down to realize how much we need a Savior. Advent is trying to make us aware that this experience is incomplete. And we all get to Christmas, and then Christmas is like, that's it? And again, it's, it's meant to help us understand that we are looking to a day in the future when Jesus will return and restore all things but our calling and our task is to inhabit our particular place in this moment. And Luke 2 is trying to help us see that God has invested in ordinary places. Your home, your space, your backyard, your job, the institutions you're involved in. There is an opportunity in all of these spaces to be an advocate for God's glory and to inhabit those places as God's ambassadors, as people of love, of joy, of mercy, and of hope. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for truth that confronts us in our distorted views of ourselves and of the world. And I just pray that you would do something in us to renew this vision you have for our particular places in the world. Would you minister to us as we leave and drive our cars home and go to lunch and take naps and watch shows? Would you minister to us and show us the significance of the place that you have given us? We love you and we trust you and we pray in Jesus' name, amen.